0: Hey, where are the white women at? Welcome to the New Hampshire Journal podcast. I am your host, Michael Graham, managing editor of nhjournal.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, some feedback from people are like, hey, you say really stupid things in your podcast. How can I yell at you? You're welcome to yell at me anytime, but the best way to reach us is news at insidesources.com. And I need to say that more often here uh, on the podcast and on our website, news at insidesources.com. We definitely want to hear from you. And if you have questions, if you're one of the many people who listen to the pod from outside the Granite State and you're curious about what's going on with the First of the Nation primary, don't hesitate to email and uh, I may not know the answer to your question, but I know the smart people here in New Hampshire who will know the answer. I also know people who think they're incredibly smart who have no clue, but I'll be happy to ask them on your behalf. So uh, just let me know. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, uh, caught up with Vivek Ramaswamy just after his debate with Congressman Ro Khanna of California. It's kind of weird we have. Uh, uh, Vivek is debating Rokana. Khanna. is Ro not running for president. He's no, certainly not running in the Republican primary. Uh, is Ron DeSantis still debating Gavin Newsom? Do we know? Is that going to happen? Uh, there's a lot of kind of random abstract debating out there. And interesting to me, the DeSantis campaign has said uh, to NH Journal clearly and repeatedly, they are very interested in the idea of a New Hampshire uh, debate. A New Hampshire specific debate. And uh, with the uh, events going on at the RNC, I predict that the frustration Republican primary voters felt with the first two debates, which are handled by Fox and Fox Business, now that it's in the hands of NBC News with Lester Holt and uh, I forget who the, the woman is with NBC, but a Solidly left of center NBC person, and then Hugh Hewitt thrown in as the token non-lefty. Nothing personal, Hugh. I'm sure you'll do fine. But you know the token. I I could definitely see a situation where people just go, "Okay, that's it with the RNC. We're done with your debates," and then have you know what was pretty common in the past. Uh, maybe an Iowa TV station and the Des Moines Register to, uh, team up and they just do a debate for Iowa people. And then here in New Hampshire, maybe New Hampshire Journal, we, we hosted debates with U.S. Senate candidates in the past. Maybe we do something with WMR or whatever. You can definitely see that happening and it would give uh, 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 us a chance. It would give the voters of New Hampshire a chance to hear the candidates talk about New Hampshire-specific topics. You're going to hear that in my conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy, because one of the things we try to do at NH Journal is ask New Hampshire-specific questions. There are two trends. One trend is there aren't a lot of political reporters, not as many as there used to be. The uh, irreplaceable John DeStaso, who passed away, has not been replaced uh, here in New Hampshire. And so there's not a lot of media ask a lot of questions. And the other side is because uh, politics has become so nationalized, in particular the presidential race, that there just aren't a lot of local issues that are motivating voters anyway. You know, you think about Iowa and you think uh, ethanol. And how many votes really is ethanol, you know? Uh, Remember, in 2016, Ted Cruz refused to jump on the ethanol bandwagon because it's so economically idiotic. And he still managed to win the the, uh, Iowa caucuses narrowly. I don't know what the ethanol of New Hampshire would be, and I keep asking. So it could be the case that one reason candidates aren't talking about New Hampshire-specific topics is that there aren't a lot of them, and there aren't a lot of people asking about them. We always ask. For example, uh, when Ron DeSantis had his medical freedom town hall with the attorney, excuse me, not the attorney general of Florida, the surgeon general of Florida, Uh, There was a gaggle, press gaggle afterwards, and we asked about the fact that New Hampshire Democrats are making a big push for gun control. They're embracing gun bans, you know, assault weapons bans, etc. And, uh, you know, it's not surprising given the horrific mass shooting, 18 dead in Lewiston, Maine. But is that the right approach that Ron DeSantis would want to take? And we got his answer. And we wrote about it at nhjournal.com. So, you want to know what he said? You can log on and you can read it. Just like a paying customer. Uh, but you know, shockingly, you'll be surprised to learn that Ron DeSantis does not support gun bans or draconian restrictions on the Second Amendment. But my point is that, you know, that's, is it a local issue? Yeah, it's local because local candidates are campaigning on it. Uh, Cindy Warmington and Joyce Craig are going cleats high at, uh, at uh, gun rights. Um, so, yeah. But is it a burning local issue, Second Amendment? Not broadly across the primary electorate, I don't think. So that's how it looks to me. And that's why we do the podcast. And that's why I do New Hampshire Journal. And if you're not getting the newsletter every day, it's absolutely free. Go to nhjournal.com. You can sign up for it. Uh, the Obviously, the number one question we get is uh, Is it over? Does Trump have it locked up? And if you talk to smart people, you'll get a couple different answers. Mostly you'll get, yeah, it's pretty locked up unless something happens. But there are people like Governor Chris Sununu who are absolutely adamant that things can happen. That there's a real chance that you know uh, someone could surprise in Iowa, get some momentum, come to New Hampshire, and then you get to Super Tuesday and uh, roll out of that with a Trump versus non-Trump candidate. And they're in a dogfight for delegates all the way to the convention in Milwaukee. Uh, the flip side of that, and I cannot remember if we talked about this on the last podcast. I apologize. I've just had this conversation with so many media outlets in the past ten days. Look at your cross tabs. Yes, Donald Trump is below fifty percent, just barely, in New Hampshire. But when you look at the supporters for Ron DeSantis, for example, if he do- if he dropped out about 40% or more of DeSantis voters would go to Trump. When people drop out, it's not 100%. It is not the case that Trump only has the support of those people who are backing him today. There are a lot of Republicans who like Donald Trump. Maybe you think that they're wrong for doing so, but they do. And so as candidates drop out, Particularly Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, you're going to see their voters going some, you know, some significant percentage of them to Trump. Look, some Nikki Haley voters, some even I imagine some Chris Christie voters, perhaps very confused ones, will end up with Trump if that's once their lead person drops out of the race. And so that's one of the problems with this, uh, you know, consolidate to two candidates approaches. Having said that, Governor Chris Nunu is very focused on the third debate and he makes it sound like he may even endorse after the third debate. We'll see, but he's uh, putting a lot of uh, stock in that, a lot of uh, focus on that. The, you know, you're going to have a lot fewer people on the stage. So maybe it'll make a difference. If it does make a difference, we will be covering it at nhjournal.com. One more thing before we get to Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, I've seen Congressman Dean Phillips now three times. And, he is extremely earnest. He is extremely uh, thoughtful with his answers. He's uh, both got focus. for example, on the uh, Israel-Hamas issue. He's clearly with Israel, no doubt. But he talks about the need to have a humanitarian approach to uh, the people of Gaza and some sort of solution so that, you know, the people who are, call themselves Palestinians or identified as Palestinians have, you know, a a play, a home, a place. And I'm not going to, don't get me sidetracked on the fact that, yes, they have a place now. They just choose to keep using it to kill Jews. My point is he has uh, answers that have a lot of appeal, but they're not just putting, you know, he, he's with Israel. hundred percent. There you go. Just back down. They have the right to defend themselves. And it's effective. I mean, if you just watch the guy just as a candidate, it's effective. I also have to say I am really taken aback by the attacks from Democrats on this guy. You know, the, the misguided, dumb. You know, vanity project. Like he's, I, who knows why anybody does anything. But this is not some preening cock of the walk who says, "Well, you've been waiting for me to run for president." That is not him. He's so Minnesota. My roommate in college from Minnesota. If you know Minnesota, you know this guy. They are you know, pride, ego. I mean, he's got some. He's in politics, but it's not that at all. And then the st- and so what's going to happen is the more this word goes out that all oh, this guy is just it's just a vanity project. You know, basically, Michael Bloomberg. Well, people are going to meet him. He's not going to be Michael Bloomberg, who I also saw campaigning in New Hampshire and was a royal jerk. May have been a great mayor, not a mayor. I don't know. But as a candidate for president, he stunk. Um, and so that's going to happen expectations set very low this is New Hampshire for those of you who aren't f- from around here people in the granite state go meet the candidates they like doing it even the kind of unknown candidate they're not even sure who this guy is he hasn't run any TV he's gonna I assume he's gonna run TV he's worth Forbes says 77 million dollars so I'm assuming there'll be a few bucks on TV people go, oh look at that guy kind of interesting look at Biden hmm yeah you know, kind, of, kind of tough. And, uh, so stuff's going to happen that, so that'll be step one. He's going to exceed the expectation games. And the second thing is at some point, even the lapdog, you know, servile, uh, you know, obsequious Democrats of New Hampshire who are responding to Joe Biden's, you know, political beatdown by bending over saying, thank you, sir. May I have another at a certain point calling them racists over and over again is going to start impacting people, I predict. For the past 72 hours, there's been a steady drumbeat of statements on the record from people like my old congressman, Congressman Jim Clyburn in South Carolina, and Benny Thompson in uh, Mississippi, and, uh, you know, pundits and party leaders saying explicitly, it is racist to campaign in New Hampshire. South Carolina should go first because of the issue of color and demographics and the fact that you're campaigning for votes. You're asking Democrats for their votes. What a horrible thing you've just done. In New Hampshire, shame on you, you white supremacist. I, Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I, I used to run campaigns. I'm not above a cheap shot, but to me, that shot seems both cheap and stupid because who is the object of the attack? It's not Dean Phillips. What's Dean Phillips doing? He's going to a state that's having a primary and asking people to vote for him in it. Their attack on him is not the campaigning. It's that he's doing it in this state because the voters of New Hampshire are not worthy. They're too white. They're racially suspect. Making my point, and I know for those of you who are regular New Hampshire Journal folks, you've heard me on this hobby horse a dozen times. You can't let national Democratic figures call the voters of your state racist over and over and over again, too white, racially suspect, can't be trusted. We, they don't know what to do with co- candidates of color. You can't let that rhetoric, that propaganda pour out for a decade and then be stunned when you find out, oh my gosh, a bunch of Democrats believe this. Yes, a bunch of Democrats believe this and they keep saying it. And you know who's hearing it? People in New Hampshire. Now, they're not hearing it today. They won't hear it tomorrow. But this Dean just announced, excuse me, Phillips. I keep wanting to say his last name is Dean. Like <laughs> Congressman Phillips just announced on Friday. I guarantee you it's not going to be too many more Fridays before people are going to start reading in their newspaper or seeing on cable TV. Or, hey, wait a minute. Wait, so they're saying he's a bad because he asked me for my vote? What's wrong with me? Look, here's the deal. You've already said that New Hampshire is 90% white. Then you follow that up with, and I don't want white people to vote for me. Well, guess what's going to happen in a state that's 90% white? You're going to lose or something. Something's going to happen. Who knows? I mean, maybe the suburban white guilt is just so strong in college-educated New Hampshire that it's not going to have an impact. But wow, telling voters your race makes you someone we don't want to you know, participate with is just not a smart political move. And who knows what that's going to do to the dynamic with Congressman Dean Phillips working his way across the state, holding 120 or whatever it is going to be um, uh, town halls. What we do know is that Vivek Ramaswamy has been out campaigning for a while. He came out of nowhere, made a real impression, and he joins us now on the New Hampshire Journal podcast when I kind of snuck up on him during our conversation. I interviewed you when you first started. Oh, I remember that. had in your car. We had, to do the, whole car. We had to do the whole thing again because I'm an idiot. And because of, of you, there, I have it. the I have the Ramaswamy rule, which is before I start a podcast, I have a little sticky note thing I put on that says, "Turn the damn thing on." No, and I remember so, I
1: was like, all right, we're going to muster the energy and do listen, this again. And listen, so that's you, okay. I appreciate and, and,
0: and I was impressed at the time, but having seen you just rock and roll like you are today, Wednesday in New Hampshire on November 1st, you've got, well, I think you have 73 events today. You have 42 debates, 27 arm wrestling matches. Am I close here,
1: Vivek Ramaswamy? I think we're still at 26 in <laughs> the arm wrestling. <laughs> So I got to before, before
0: we talk yeah. about the specifics of you running for president right now, the debate with Representative Ro Khanna, who, by the way, has been on this podcast. He's a fascinating Good. guy. I, we're we're center right, so I don't, like you, I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but it was really fascinating to hear two people who knew their stuff uh, debate. So what I took away from the debate was that for all the talk about, oh, if Americans would only just come together, we agree on more than disagree. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Representative Akana was saying we need top-down managing the economy. We need to pick industries we want to win. We need to punish industries like fossil fuel we don't like. We need lots of government bureaucrats and congressional aides to help run things. And you kept saying, not government, not government, not government. That's not a tomatoes versus tomatoes thing, is it? It's
1: not. It's a fundamentally different worldview about what the role of the federal government is. And my view is the federal administrative state is a cancer on American life. And he was a defender of the federal administrative state today. And he's entitled to that view. And so we had, I think, a productive debate around that vision. Now, one thing that we did find common ground on, though, which I think is important, is eliminating political corruption in Washington, D.C. I mean, Mm -hmm. the real answer on American politics is lobbying and the influence of super PACs. I've been the sole opponent, crusader of this in the Republican primary process. Mm -hmm. I think these super PACs are fundamentally corrupt at their core. I think lobbying in the United States is a force for bad, not good in American politics. And it sounded like Ro at least agreed with me on that, on the importance of Stopping politicians from making yeah. money as lobbyists after their time in government. So we found some common ground there on political reform.
0: Now l- let me but just say, policy, as, we as, as deeply someone, differ. As someone who used to make his living running campaigns, I don't like this talk about taking money out of politics. Uh, we got, we got, we all <laughs> got to eat. <laughs> you know? Everyone's got to have a right. No, but but I always ask this question: If you're not going to have super PACs gathering money to advance ideas for candidates or whatever, then how are you going to have those ideas advanced? What's your method for paying for it if it's not letting people donate money to a super PAC?
1: Well, I think that what we've seen is a rise in digital fundraising, small dollar fundraising. So my view is fundraising is perfectly acceptable. Just cap it at $3,300 per person. That's the answer. I don't think somebody should be able to write a $33 million check, but cap it the same rules that you apply for campaigns which is to say that we don't want a corrupting influence on a candidate. So we capped it out at $3,300. Just say if you're donating to a super PAC, that's also independently supporting a candidate, Mm -hmm. then you're capped at 3,300. Now, if you want to advocate for an issue, you're unlimited. We have free speech in this country for a reason, but if it's a, entity that's specifically supporting a candidate just use yeah, the same rules you use as used for donations to the candidate that's that's, that's what you were
0: throwing me off because uh you know money is speech uh as the supreme court says
1: so i was asking oh i'm about a that. free so, speech absolutist but i said just I, use I, the same standards we already use for the campaigns that's all i and I, I
0: and i want to ask you speaking of speech so the first time i heard you speak i thought this is one of those guys who can talk about anything i could throw out a topic from abortion to zoology and you could give me a riff on it i'm curious now that you've been on the campaign trail and you've been in new hampshire quite a bit what are the topics you find that the people, the voters keep pulling back to you instead of you you know, giving them your spiel? What are the spiels they're bringing you? What are the issues that you find over and over again? They say, I want to hear what you think about this.
1: Border, economy, risk of World War Three. These okay. are the Borders- three things that I'm hearing about. Okay, border's easy.
0: I want to ask about when you say economy, are they anything specific? Because on the one hand, you have people saying, oh, my gosh, inflation is terrible. On the other hand, people are saying, oh, my gosh, interest rates, which are high to fight inflation, are terrible. So what specifically about the economy do you think is possible? Well, I up think
1: it's that we're struggling. And how are we going to get out of our sense that we are struggling economically, both individuals and as a country? Right? I think that that's actually something that we have a pervasive sense of in this country. And the numbers, in some ways hide the true story, because it's not just that prices are up and that interest rates are up, but wages are flat against that backdrop. For a lot of Americans, they're even down. And so I think that's actually the big problem here that we need to that we need to address.
0: And the big solution from a president, Ramaswamy, by the way, don't give me too much, because we're going to have you sit down with us for our diner table economics at, at some point in the future and do <laughs> 25 Good. minutes of nothing but the economy out of the airport diner. But just a quick C of your economic policy as president.
1: Yeah. So I'd say two things. Here's issue number one. We have constrained the supply of everything in this country with burdensome regulation coming from that administrative state, those three-letter agencies. So what does that mean? Unlock American energy, increase the production of it, drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy, stop using taxpayer money to pay people more to stay at home instead of to go to work, increase the supply of housing. How? Well, end those land use restrictions again, coming right. from regulations, more food supply. How do we do that? Stop the regulations of the food industry and farmers across this country that are crippling food production in the United States of America that addresses inflation. So you bring it, increase the supply in America, supply side driven that brings down cost. It grows the economy. That's how we do this. Listen, so that's you've got the another, true answer there.
0: You've got another event coming up. I know no, you're, you're fitting us in. We appreciate it. So I want to give you the last question. The, the thing that you've learned from listening to New Hampshire uh, voters, maybe a, a new focus on a topic you're already familiar with, or maybe it's gotten you engaged in a topic you ha- you really hadn't thought about that much before you started campaigning in the Granite State.
1: Well, I'll say this. is It's actually what I've discovered is a topic that I cared about immensely, dating back to my days in college and mm-hmm. to the first book I wrote. But I assumed that voters didn't care about, so I didn't bring it up in the early phases of the campaign. Was the impact of the surveillance state, Uh, the surveillance state that we created in this country after 9-11, the way in which those government actors are then working with tech companies to monitor for information and censor speech through the back door that they couldn't through the front door. I'm incredibly passionate about this and have written about it for a long time. But at the start of this campaign, I just assumed that that wasn't a top of mind kitchen table issue for voters. Turns out in New Hampshire specifically, I get a lot of great questions about that. I got one just this morning, actually, at the Red Arrow Diner. Mm-hmm. and i was thrilled because to me that's a good it's not just a good sign because we share a passion for that question it's a good sign for this country because the ultimate threat to liberty isn't just the government. It's the complacency of a citizenry that lets the government overreach. Notorious liar.
0: I'm a a notorious liar about last question because I got to ask about the gun control issue because of Maine and because just in the past 24 hours, a surge in Democrats, including in New Hampshire, running for governor saying, we need an assault weapons ban. We need more restrictions. We need uh, red flag laws. What's the short Vivek Ramaswamy stance on gun control?
1: My short Vivek Ramaswamy response is that We have a mental health epidemic in this country. That's what we need to address. The rise in violent crime correlates directly with the closure of psychiatric institutions. And I think we need to have the courage to say that were there abuses in the past, they're sure, but we're going to bring them back. Many many cases, they were shuttered because of big pharma lobbying, too, because pharmaceutical companies wanted to sell more prescription drugs of antipsychotics. But that's not a good reason to shutter psychiatric institutions. Bring that back. And in the meantime, let's remember, the Second Amendment exists for a reason there to protect us against the government's overreaches on our liberty. It's the best invention known to mankind is the U.S. Constitution to secure human liberty. And the Second Amendment is the one amendment that secures all of the others. So that's what we have to remember while addressing the actual problems we face, like the mental health epidemic.
0: Love how you wrap those last two together. Love how you're wrapping up with us now. Have a great day in New Hampshire. We will talk soon. Thanks so much, Vivek Ramaswamy.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hampshire Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening.